Cuthbert Arinaitwe is living a new life as a mechanic in Western Uganda. He lost his three-bedroom house and was recently relocated here from a nearby sub-county, which is now part of the government's oil project. The life now, it looks, it is improved compared to the other previous life. Because now, from, from the crop compensation, I decided to establish a garage here where at least I can earn a living. So the life is improved. Several people have been resettled, and the landscape here is changing fast. The government and its venture partners are entering the final stages to extract oil. Uganda has an estimated 6.5 billion barrels of crude oil at Lake Albert, but only 1.4 billion is so far available. The reserves are being developed under two projects, Kingfisher, operated by China National Offshore Oil Corporation, which has 31 wells, and the Tilenga project by French company Total Energies, which is the biggest with 426 wells. And it extends to the Massishon Falls National Park, which is home to significant wildlife populations. We have ensured that Total and all the other partners ensure that they follow the park rules and regulations, drive at a minimum speed, they have their own trucks whenever they're doing the oil activities, and they will make sure that they don't make noise. Even where the ridge is, you can see the, the noise is not as much as somebody might expect. And there is a small area which has been carved out, and it has been actually fenced off from the rest of the park, so that there is no much interaction between the animals and the staff who are working under Total and its partners. Once in full operation, the projects will yield 230,000 barrels per day. Uganda plans to refine a quarter of its crude oil at a local industrial park, while the rest will be exported through the East African crude oil pipeline to Tanzania's coastal port of Tanga. The World Bank says that the country could earn $3 billion in export revenue from 60,000 barrels per day when production peaks in the next decade. However, Environmentalists and activists say the country should be focusing on net zero carbon emissions instead, as local officials call for more transparency. If the oil agreements were um, available for public scrutiny, maybe there would be comparisons with other countries that have had oil explorations and probably benefited from it, or learning lessons from countries that have not benefited from oil because of their agreements. But that has been an issue the oil agreements not being accessible uh, by the public or other stakeholders in the country, uh, but also there are other issues like um, corruption. Work at these wells will last about three decades. For it to be a blessing for the country, we require thorough implementation of formalized policies to push Uganda to upper middle income status by 2040. Darren Alan Cheyune, TRT World, Kampala, Central Uganda. We're on this now. Let's go to Dickens Kata Asimwe. He is a petroleum lawyer and project control specialist at Crystal Advocates. Thank you very much for joining us today. So Dickens, first of all, what is the potential of Uganda, I wonder, when it comes to oil productions? Give us a sense in terms of the reserves there, but also the um, production capacity. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure uh, to be hosted here. Uh, I think in terms of, of, of reserves and capacity, we would basically be speaking to it from 
uh, the perspective of proven and uh, unproven reserves. Uh, and of course, from uh, the scientific point of view, uh, the, 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 the normally used 1P, 2P, 3P, which basically talks of proved, uh, proven and probable, and then of course, probable and possible. I think as we speak now, uh, Uganda's uh, reserves are actually uh, proven at about 6.5 billion. Uh, but of course, the recoverable would only be about between 1.4 to 1.7 billion. And um, of course, given that, uh, we will be looking at uh, developing this uh, in a sustainable manner, like the government has already said. So you'll basically be seeing uh, wells coming on stream as startup wells, and then you'd have a ramp up at a given point of time, and then at peak, you'd basically be talking about a production of about 230,000 barrels per day. And then, of course, after some years, then you'd have to, you'd see a decline uh, around there. But of course, something to note here that is very key is that the 6.5 uh, billion barrels and the 1.4 to 1.7 recoverable uh, am amounts are basically uh, enclosed in about 40% of the Albertine Graben that has so far uh, been explored and, uh, of course, uh, now are undergoing development. But, of course, there's much more that is expected uh, to be gotten within the Graben itself, where the developments are taking place, and, of course, other places uh, outside the Graben uh, in, in, in the Karamoja, Kadama region, Moroto Kadama region, and, and, and many other places. So if you put this production in perspective, you'd be saying that maybe Uganda would be about uh, in, the, in, in the place of 31. Mm. So it would be like mm -hmm. the 31st uh, in terms of world reserves and production. Right. And, and that, I think, is something that is uh, a bit of, 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 of a number to speak to. Completely. Uh, and in terms of, of development, we, we will be seeing um, the two areas that are being developed today, one by Total Energies and one by Sinoc International Uganda. Limited. So you have uh, the Tlengo one being the bigger part of the development area with an industrial park expected to be having about 400 wells, both producer and injector wells, and the down side of Kingfisher producing, uh, having about 31 producer uh, and injector wells together. Uh, that's that's basically about the reserves and the capacity uh, right. that Uganda and, uh, would speak and to in there. Dickens, speaking about the recoverable as well, it still uh, looks like a substantial amount, as you just said. But I wonder, what are the other drawbacks of all this? And especially, why are environmentalists that concerned? Of course, first, first and foremost, speaking to um, the capacities and the development and, and the environmentalists, when we talk about sustainable development and the plan that we understand that the government will basically be having in terms of developing these resources, uh, you will hear the government and the international oil companies speaking to the fact that, look, we have developed this in a very strategic uh, and, 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 and processed manner, whereby we have carried out all the necessary environmental impact assessments. We have understood the risks and we have put in place uh, processes on how to actually mitigate these risks. I think some people have basically been putting it out of context, talking about a million rivers that the East African crude oil pipeline will be crossing, talking about many things about the mansion. What I understand is that the government has done the studies, the IOCs have actually carried out the studies on behalf of the government, and these have been approved by the relevant regulatory authorities. 
Take us one last thing in the report that we've just heard from our uh, reporter. It seems as if all of this could actually push Uganda to middle-income status by 2040. Is this a real possibility or is it just, just wishful thinking for now? I don't think it's wishful thinking. Talk, talking about middle income by 2040, I believe this is possible, but uh, what basically we would be speaking to is first understanding what is the asset base. What is the asset that we are talking about? What do you value the 6.5 billion uh, barrels and what you're able to recover in terms of 1.4 to 1.7 billion? What is the value asset? We, we believe uh, the economists have put a number at about 116 billion, that that is gross. So of course, uh, you would have to remove recoverable costs because the regime in Uganda is basically a production sharing agreement. So in that manner, you'd basically remove that. And if you removed that, then you'd get the net benefit uh, the country would basically uh, derive from the sale of these assets if they monetize them. And of course, monetizing these assets, uh, the government of Uganda has gone twofold. They will be doing about 57% of the export through the East African crude oil pipeline. Uh, and of course, the essence of this is that it would be able to enhance the export base and uh, it would be able to have uh, to balance uh, the trade deficit that we basically have in Uganda today. And I think the economists have put this at about $413.8 million. And of course, if you export and then you're able to bring in some uh, foreign exchange, then you're able to balance that. The other way they are basically trying to monetize these assets is the midstream. Uh, the midstream here, we are talking about the South African crude oil pipeline. We are also talking about the refinery. So the refinery uh, is basically today, as we speak in Uganda, I think we are using about the consumption level is about 37 barrels per day, and it's growing at about 7%. Uh, of course, uh, at the end of, uh, the, by the time the refinery is here, I think you'll be way above 37,000. Uh, the refinery will also produce LPG, which is about, uh, I think they will be producing about 30,000 uh, tons. If you look at that and put it in context, that's almost about what East Africa consumes today. Uh, you have LPG coming in place, you have uh, your balancing off with your export base, uh, you have uh, a GDP today in Uganda, I think the economists put it at about 45.7 uh, billion, uh, which is, of course, uh, it has uh, the service sector at the top of it with about 41.5%. You have the industry at about 26.8%, if I remember very well, and the agriculture around, um, I think the numbers for agriculture around 20 to 25. Now, if you look at the numbers that they have put, the case that they have built, the IOCs and the government, you're talking about uh, 15 billion investment. This 15 billion is uh, triple of what uh, the, the, the foreign investment, direct investment we've had in Uganda. You'd basically have to look at the physical benefits and then how the country is able to put them in, in perspective to actually uh, move the country forward uh, to achieve that goal and mission. So you would basically ask yourself and say, what are the physical benefits that we're talking about and what are the ranges and, and, and what would we be talking about in this uh, aspect? And, and you would find that you're talking about maybe a tune of 70 billion and how do you arrive at about at the 70 billion? Uh, you would be talking about monies that are coming in even before fast oil and these monies are in form of uh, both non-tax revenue and tax revenue. 
uh, you'll be speaking to a point that some companies, for example, I think the, the five companies that are in Uganda have so far paid about 577 million in terms of income tax, pairs you earn, VAT and withholding tax, VAT being a value added tax. Uh, of course, the non-tax revenue we're talking about is in terms of application fees, bonus royalties and things like that. So if you're talking about all that money, if you put mm. it in perspective, you would say that the government, the country would be reaping about... 66 billion, uh, which translates to about 2.5 billion per year in right. the sales and revenues that would come from so, the monetized asset. And that's uh, very positive. That looks uh, to be a very huge amount. And for now, uh, more benefits than drawbacks. Then uh, Dickens Kata Asimwe, thank you very much for joining us today.